Well, welcome to the From Busy to Rich podcast with Wes Young. I have a question. Why is changing so difficult? Why does it take so much work for us to go from normal to new? Well, on today's show, you'll learn how to change your thinking so you can, in turn, change your life. I'm joined today by Wes Young and Justin Lakin. Uh, Wes, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Andy. How are you? I'm well. Justin, are you good? Don't ruin the vibe. Are you good? Yeah, I'm doing well. Awesome. Awesome. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Well, I am here with Wes Young, founder of Wes Young Associates in uh, the Transform University. And I'm also here with Justin Lakin, one of our lead advisors with Wes Young and Associates and our podcast manager. So of all the things related to podcasts, um, distribution and management of guests and such, uh, Justin is our man for that. Uh, my name is Andy Traub. I am the host of the show. And uh, for this episode, if you haven't met Wes and Justin, you'll learn a little bit about them and their business. And we'll also talk about something that's very important and I would just say foundational to, uh, you know, your company, Wes, and also just, you know, the way that you live your life uh, is how to normalize the new. And I love that phrase because for most people, they're like, I I know, I don't know what that means <laughs> uh, because you've kind of made it up. You've owned it. You know, like one of our right. favorite thinkers is Seth Godin, right? And yep. he'll just like make stuff up. I love it. You know, and it's like, what is that? It's like, uh, he just made it up. And I'm like, oh, you can just make stuff up. And Wes is Wes is the kind of guy that's like, yeah, I'm just going to call it normalizing it. So we'll talk about that today. Right, Wes? That's right. Absolutely. All right. So it'll make sense. Just hang with us. Um, so, Wes, could you just share with us? Uh, tell us about your business. What is what is your business like today? Sure. So so we are a holistic fee-based financial planning uh, organization. And we uh, today, we, we work primarily with people that own businesses and real estate and, and then some highly compensated corporate executives. And uh, when, when we meet our clients, it, it seems like about half of them, maybe a little bit more, have actually already done some good planning. They have some good advisors that are part of their team. Uh, the, the other probably 40, 50%, they, they've been super successful. They just haven't done much at all in the areas of planning we tend to bump into. Uh-huh. But there's one thing, Annie, that all of them have in common. All of them have far more things that they're trying to get accomplished than they have done to get to everything. And, and so no matter where they fit on that planning spectrum, what we found is in their effort to get to as much as they can, there's always a bunch of stuff that's left undone. And, and sometimes it's stuff like that's top of mind that you would say you're super aware of. And Quite often, though, this is what is so much fun for us and our team and, and really why we do what we do is it's stuff they're not aware of. But if they were, they would absolutely want to pursue it because it would increase their profitability and their quality of life, which is that's the win of our organization is to help people increase their profitability and quality of life. And, uh, and, and, and so that's where our process begins with our clients. I will tell you that today uh, we've been in private practice and I came into business when I was uh, about 24. I'm 44 now. And so we we. Uh, we are grateful for the way things look today. We we operate. Uh, we're a team of close to ten. Um, some of those are, are advisor positions. Some of those are support positions. Um, and I spend most of my time working with around forty clients. Uh, so that's that's the majority of our market. And our other advisors also have their their batch of clients. And uh, and the remaining, I'd say, twenty percent of my time is just organizational growth, development, right. doing podcasts and things like this. But uh, all the things I thought were possible. When I came into the business, like this seemed like a place you could do it well and you could have a bunch of extra time and extra money and you could make a significant difference in the lives of the people you serve. Yeah. Those are those are real. Those are real. And so we we are super excited to to do the kind of work we do um, for the people we do it for and excited to be doing this podcast with you. 
I think there's two groups of people that are likely listening right now. One is uh, that group of people you talked about that, that you go from wanting opportunities to going, I need help managing my opportunities. I have so many, right? I mean, it's like yeah. that that switch, you know, like, I wish I could have opportunities. Then you're like, oh man, I have so many opportunities and they actually become a burden to some degree. And you need someone to help you with that, right? Uh, and that's how you can help. So that's that's that side, the people you just talked about. There's also advisors who are, you know, you, you and I are of the age. We remember when Be Like Mike came around, right? Uh, or Bo Knows, you know, Bo Knows Baseball, Bo, you know, that like people are like, I, I want to, I want a business like Wes's. So I want to encourage you, whoever you are in that, those two groups, we're going to help you through this conversation and others. Um, but Wes, just give us a quick picture because I think it's, it's easy to disconnect from, oh, well, that's where he is now from where you were. So like, just real quick, what was it like when you started? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's funny. So today, if you think about like just our, our structure, as far as income wise, we're like a third of our, our revenue comes from just financial planning fees, which is is somewhat unique in the industry. A third comes from, um, comes from the assets that we manage. And a third probably is the, the commissionable insurance products, things that need to be done as a result of the planning. When we started, it was, not that at all. It was almost 100% uh, commissionable insurance fees because we we came in the door. Um, you know, as I said, I was 24, and uh, and I joked because I had such a natural background for this business, which really gave me an unfair advantage. Is I was an electrician, so um, uh, I, I just you know was an electrician. Had a great financial advisor friend that was a few years into the business. Um, at least my interpretation was he was great at that time because it was what I knew. And he one day was like, Wes, you ought to think about getting into this business. And I remember telling him, I don't want to do what you do, Dan, because I, I remember he, he, I think he only told me about the bad days, like the hard days, because all the stories were like just terrible. And he said, yeah. Wes, there's a lot of ways people do this business. You ought to, you ought to at least think about it. So, uh, you know, I, I, I looked at it and I was, Andy, I was, I liked what I was doing when I was doing it. And, and I was more running the branch at the time and being the account manager of the, the several things. And, uh, and I was making, for what I thought was really good money. I was making about $80,000 a year. And, uh, but something about this business really drew me in. Cause it was like, I said earlier, it seemed like a place where if you did it well, yeah. these guys that did it well seem to have extra time and money and could make a substantial difference in the lives of the people they served along the way. And so about six months after conversation, I left the familiar and went into the uncertain world of, of financial services. And, um, it, it is that door, that large insurance company door, the model is typically, um, you know, try and make you minimally competent enough to yeah. be able to solve protection needs. And, right. and as long as you can do enough transactions to stay alive and, and, and not have to jump out of the business and you can learn stuff and get smarter and figure out, well, yeah. I don't want to repeat this for the next 20 years of my life and, right. and begin to do other things. So it was so far the other side of what we do today. Yeah. And, and, and but you know I'm grateful for the roots and it was helpful. Um, we certainly think we've identified some 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 better ways forward for for those that are newly coming in uh, than, right. than our, our beginnings. Well, uh, I think we're going to post this video as well on the page. But if if you don't watch the video, if you're just listening to the audio, you, you might be able to hear Justin and I's smiles because when Wes said they make you minimally co- competent enough, it's like that is not a game plan for success. You know, like what's your plan? We're just going to make as many people minimally as competent as possible. I mean, it's just good enough to sort of survive, you know, and, right. and that's not a good long-term plan, right? And I, and I think that there's advisors listening who are like, that's what I feel. I feel minimally competent. And that's not, 
that's not going to work. You got to you got to level up your success, and so that that's what this show is going to help you do. Um, I want to throw to you, Justin, and just maybe introduce yourself. Uh, you know, family, uh, work, a little bit of a background, um, and and just tell folks a little bit about about who you are. Yeah, so I've been in the business for almost eight years now. So I've been around a little while. Have a beautiful wife and two daughters with another one on the way. So like to, yeah, a little, little gluttony for punishment, right? Like I've got one that's 16 and we decided to restart the clock because, you know, that's what you do later in life, right? Like let's make this sure. more. So um, yeah, so again, been in the business, had a, had a little bit different uh, background. I wasn't an electrician, uh, but I also... <laughs> So you you at a disadvantage because you weren't an electrician. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, but a little bit, bit, but similar in the sense of, of didn't really have a background, didn't come from a family that was big on investing and things like that, but just family dynamics, situations, and life stuff just kind of led to a point and an interest in it. And, and then eventually that evolved into a business. Um, actually started like, right out of high school uh, after I went to college for a year, you know, went in the military for, for a number of years, oil and gas. And you know, ended up, like I said, just growing in that field. So landed in in finance and similar to Wes, uh, reminded me of a, I had a mentor once, I guess you'd call him a mentor, had a great quote, said, I'm going to set you up for failure so you can achieve a little success. That was, that was very much my, my onboarding experience. So. All right. All right. That's, that'll keep you coming back for more. To find some success. Just for the the listeners to add a little layer, because you'll hear a lot more from Justin and some of the on some of the other uh, topics we're going to dig into. But because um, he's he's modest, he is a bit of an overachiever uh, because he he was in the military. That's accurate. He was also a Green Beret, uh, wh- which I think is an important distinction to make. Uh, and that's just kind of guys they don't like hand those out on your first day. Just you know, right. you know, everybody gets yeah. one. You got to last like three days or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. With the length of the pool. No you floaties. Gotta, you got to last, last for three days in the pool, right? Yeah. More like a, a honorary mascot, right? Like that's <laughs> my role. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So Green Beret had, had a great opportunity to work with professional athletes and a bunch of different stuff. And we'll talk more about that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what brought us here today. Awesome. Wes, let's find out some personal information from you and then we'll move into the main topic for the day. You bet. So, uh, Ben, it will be 20 years married. Uh, so I started this career about the same time that yeah. I, I got married to Jamie. Uh, and we've got two great kids. One of them we just dropped off at Texas Christian University. Uh, so go Horn Frogs. We're excited about his, his life going forward, our son Gage. And then our daughter, Abby, who's got the place all to herself now, who is uh, 16. And uh, so she's she's great. Big, big, big soccer player. And um, yeah, love, love our community that we're in here, super involved uh, with it. We've got a, a great, uh, great church that that great, great community that we're doing life with. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's dive into the topic for today. Um, you know, the the idea of the podcast is that, you know, you want to help financial advisors. Uh, you want to help help their clients have a better quality of life. Uh, you know, people start in the business and they're all sort of starry eyed. and It's going to be wonderful. Um, but you also you want to help them get in and, and change their their state, their their health or their mental health. Uh, you want to help them mature to become better advisors. Um, and I would love for you to talk about, um, you know, the, the things that you want to help them apply to their lives. And just give uh, some examples of what we can expect from, you know, the first season of the show. 
Sure. Sure. Yeah. So th- this, again, as you mentioned, the From Busy to Rich podcast is all about helping advisors increase their profitability and quality of life. And, and it's very connected and synergistic with our individual win for our clients that we serve. What we noticed is that we, over a long enough period of time, built a pretty good, uh, pretty good way of working with people that led us to have this fee-based holistic financial planning company that we just got a great rhythm with our clients. It, it's, it's, uh, a great way to do the work. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we are the catalyst for good ideas. That's kind of our, our middle, the middle place. And so as we, as we assessed a lot of other advisors over time have said, Hey, can you, can you, what, what are you guys doing? Can you talk a little bit more about how you're approaching it? Cause as you alluded to uh, Andy is that there's a great uh, Ben Feldman quote. And he said, we come into this business in a state of starry eyed enthusiasm. And then we educate ourselves into a place of sophisticated confusion. Um, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of planning strategies, hundreds of thousands of combinations of them. And, and so this business, the smarter you get, uh, you arrive there. You do. You, you can be super confident and in this place of like, I've got all this knowledge. I know I've got capability, but man, I, the rhythm of my business does not feel like I want it to feel. And what we've seen is those advisors that have the best quality of life that are able to impact their clients to increase their profitability and quality of life in the most meaningful ways, they are at that place of mature simplicity, that, that, that um, ability to have organization and structure and process where things run smoothly. They're constantly elevating their game. Because when I think back, Andy, and this is maybe the biggest takeaway from this is of where we are today versus where we started, um, there are, a, there are a handful of mindsets of processes and procedures and things that, that we really took on and adopted that I think were just absolute catalysts to taking us from where we started to where we are today. And I think they'll be continue to push us into the future that we're still trying to create because uh, we're all of us are on a journey. You know, everybody wants to create a better tomorrow than today. And we're no different. But I feel like if we can just get these in the in the minds of some great advisors, a variety of different stages of their of their practices. I think they can get there faster. You know, one of our, our favorite uh, teachers is Andy Stanley, and he has a, a great podcast where he says, we just want to help you go further faster. You know, we, we want to help you go further faster. And I think that's a, a, a premise behind a lot of what we're doing here. Um, the, the ways that we're going to dive into this and, and where we're going to start today is really has everything to do with the mindset, uh, because I think there are some core mindsets that enable you uh, and generate you the greater opportunity to recognize and seize your greatest possibilities. And I think there's some things that we don't see it coming can absolutely turn it off. I think I can, can remove it. And we're, we're going to be exploring what those mindsets are um, here in the first several podcasts. Uh, we're also then going to take some time to transition into uh, some, some process stuff. Because as I said, one thing that's unusual about us from our industry, you know, there's a lot of guys that put in place a lot of Insurance. There's a lot of guys that, that manage a lot of money for assets under management, or do both. And then, and then there's this smaller, as you know, uh, one of the communities we belong to, Elite Advisor Network. We talk a lot about this. There's a small community across uh, as, as a subset where you are the product. Where where it's not just about having great assets management or, or great product. It is you're a curator of great ideas, and as a result, you get paid before you place any of those things and on an ongoing basis, because people value that they value that. And so we're going to unpack a way forward where you can actually charge for your advice. And there's a pattern and it's really creates a great foundation for wonderful client relationships. So we're going to tell you everything we know about how to do that really, really well. Um, 
later in the year, we're even going to dig into some stuff in this in this first season about like how do you keep people engaged, both your team uh, and and the clients that you serve, the 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 way that your uh, technology you're engaging with, all the different things that have an effect on the annual engagement process that you have uh, as you move through life. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and, I, and I'm super excited about uh, not just today's topics, but all those that are that are upcoming. So let's go ahead and figure out what has normalized the new. You know, fundamentally mean because you know you've mentioned and we've had conversations that you know recognizing your future possibilities i mean everybody wants you know to improve their future otherwise it's sort of like you know why live I'm like well th- i want things to get better you know right. um even if even if it's a matter of i want to have another day just like today because today was great that's yeah, about the yeah. future right it's not about radically changing as much as it is sometimes i just want to keep the life i have but you know, recognizing future possibilities is not necessarily about abandoning the normal. That's what, that's what this is kind of a strange idea, which we need to unpack. It's not about abandoning the normal um, or rejecting the new, but it's about this tension or this bridge from normal to new, right? Um, and so just go ahead and un- unpack that. I think there's a story you have that kind of illustrates it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as you hit the nail on the head, when we think about this idea as a team, the, the quick way we, we summarize it for each other is your greatest opportunities to recognize your future possibilities is not about necessarily abandoning your normal. It's also not about rejecting new, but it's about keeping that tension healthy between the two. And the way we think about this is all of us have a normal. So if I were to, Andy, follow you around uh, or Justin, follow you around and audit your life, like, like how you move through life or you were to follow me around. And that's, and that's, this is true, not just a business, not just your professional life, but your physical life, your financial life, your spiritual life, your relational life, all the areas we care about. We all have a way that we go about navigating life. It's, it's our normal. It's our, gosh, everything from your, your, uh, your technology, education, training that you operate with, the narratives you use to, to move people through a process of greater financial health, the, uh, appearance, your presence, how you show up in, in different spaces, the team that you've surrounded yourself with, the markets and memberships that you belong to, um, the, all these things, the products and services and, 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 and ways that you operate, they make up your normal. And all of us can have a new. And a new is simply a future different way, a transformed way of doing all that same stuff. So when we think about normalized new, it, it's not about like stopping everything that got you where you are. Because there's some really good foundational things that you probably want to keep doing the way you've always done it. But it's also not about uh, like uh, protecting that at all costs and rejecting all things new that may be different from what you're doing. It's about the tension between the two. Um, What we find is, is while you can certainly go too far one way or another, that the gravitational pull of most organizations and frankly, most individuals, uh, particularly the more success you have and the further down the road you get, is to defend the normal and reject new. Right. right. And, and there's a really funny story about this, Andy, that you, you, you brought up is um, back in the, in the 19, early 1980s, uh, there was a guy named Howard. And, and Howard was in the coffee business. Um, this, is, this is early 1980s, so it's not the coffee business like you might think of it today. It, 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 this, was, they, this company was really successful that he worked for. He didn't own it. He was an executive with them. But they would source the coffee at these small uh, organic farms. They would roast it in this custom fashion way. And then what they would do is sell it in their shops in like uh, bag form. It's like a high-end boutique commodity purchase. Okay. So Howard loved it. And, and he went overseas one day on a vacation to Europe. 
And he absolutely fell in love with the idea of the coffee shop because there was all these unique little sidewalk cafes with the baristas, loved the smells, loved the atmosphere. Most of all, the big idea, the takeaway for him was he loved how it took this, this high-end commodity purchase to a very unique community experience. And, and he thought this might be the next new thing. So he, he's very excited. He takes this idea back to his employers and he pitches it to him. And while they were, they liked him, they respected him. They did what a lot of times we all have the tendency to do. They begin to defend their existing set of habits. Yeah. So, you know, Howard, listen, we, we're, we're kind of the giants in our little niche here. We built a really successful uh, way forward and, and we're really not interested in putting a bunch of time and energy and money into this untested idea. Yeah. And, and so Howard, Undeterred, went out and started his own sidewalk cafe uh, experience. It was called Il Journal. Il Journal. That sounds and, very uh, European. Yeah, very European. He was yeah, feeling the, the European. You know, that's like, right. like good luck. Good luck spelling that. Everybody. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, I couldn't even tell you how to how to. No, no clue. No spell clue. check couldn't tell you how to spell. You might not have been saying it right, but you that's know, right. You could- I, yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> so, so Il Journal, and it was an incredible success. Within like sixteen months, he had four of them. Wow. He was actually long story there, but he would position and he would actually buy his former employer and felt like their name was a little more marketable than his. So he, he dropped the Ilzer now name, took on theirs. And today we all know them as Starbucks, which is, a little, you know, you've probably been to one, I'm assuming. Uh, oh, if you're on the video, you know, yeah, I got one in my hand. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I had a, I had a hunch that was going to happen because I've been on enough of these. Because <laughs> we're friends. Yeah. That's right. Yep. And, yep. Uh, so, but. One of the one of the greatest business success stories, literally in history. And and here here and here's the thing. Um, this isn't just about coffee, right? But but in this one coffee conversation, the former owners of Starbucks were not dumb people. They had built a really successful organization. They just did what we all tend to do. They got comfortable and began to defend the way they'd always done it. And and again, but Howard Schultz, the one who made Starbucks what it actually was. He also wasn't about like abandoning everything that the foundation of the company was built upon. He yeah. said, Let, let's still buy the or source the coffee from the custom way, roast it in that custom way. But instead of just selling it in a commodity purchase, let's create a community experience yeah. and test it. One of the greatest business success stories. So he, he is like a perfect example of normalize the new that his greatest opportunity wasn't about abandoning the normal or rejecting yeah. you, but kept the tension healthy between the two. Yeah. And I, you know, I was having a conversation with someone here in our office the other day about, you know, coffee used to be, you know, you, you started the coffee pot and then you left it on all day and you came and you filled up, your, you know, it wasn't, you know, what blend is it? And, you know, I mean, do you want, what are you going to add into it? You know? Um, and he's made, he literally made a third, he called it the third place, right? You got work and home and then you've got his, so he literally created a new place for us to all gather. I had this realization this morning, as I was just thinking about, there are just hundreds and hundreds of people that drive to this spot, you know, two blocks from my office every day. And if you had an overhead view from 10,000 feet, you're like, what is going on there? Because all these people just sort of every day, it's like coming back to the nest to get the nectar. Or, you know what I mean? That's right. Uh, That's at, right. Seven, at $7 a cup of nectar. Right. You know what I mean? Glad to pay it. Glad to pay it. Too. And happy to pay it. And happier when they leave after giving them money, right? Right. So, you know, so we recognize that there is this bridge from normal, which is, you know, where you are now to new, yeah. which is where you would like to be. Um, so, you know, I know that people defend the normal. I think part of that is like, it's all we know. Part of that is there's actual physical you know, synapses that are firing that, that, that they create 
uh, tracks, physical tracks in your brain. There's pathways that are, you know, just like a road. You would go down the road, like you wouldn't go off road. You go. Our our path, our thoughts are actual physical paths, and just, it's just easier. Like the, the, that's what habits are in our brain. There's that, but there's also fear. Tell me about how, how does fear factor into? And I want to challenge you if you're listening, really focusing in on the, this part because what's hard and unique about us as humans is we think about our thinking. Right. Like other animals, other creatures, they don't think about their thinking. They just think and they do. So yeah. we're thinking about our thinking. So I, I want us to think about our fear. What, what's talk about fear and fatigue. I, I love that, Andy, because I, I think if you don't recognize what you just said, if you don't recognize that that the things that make us cling to the normal oftentimes are are the fear, are the fatigue. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know how to recognize them when they occur, you will you will, in a state of mindless efficiency never evolve to your full capability. And, and so yeah. the fear, the fear side of thing, I think is this, I think, um, Andy, some different isn't always better, right? I mean, new Coke, right? It was new Coke. <laughs> it wasn't better. It wasn't better. Um, di- different is not right. always better. And, and, and the thing is as much as I think we, we've talked about this, um, a lot, but we are so built to make things better, like today, better than yesterday, tomorrow, right, better than right, it is right, today. Right. Yep. And we have that desire, but here's something that like lives in our subconscious. As much as I want to make it better, even more so if left to my own, like mindless efficiency, I certainly don't want it to get worse. And, and you, everybody could tell a story about some time where they tried something that was different. And it not only did it not make their life better in an effort to make better, but not only did it not make their life better, it actually temporarily got worse. Yeah, that reminds me of olives. Yeah. I've never had olives. I was like, uh, yeah, different is not better. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, I joke, but like, yeah, there's things we try. And I think the problem is there's this mantra of like, well, just try something different. Like, that doesn't yeah. make it better. Right. right? Like, it doesn't make it better just because it's new. Right. Absolutely. Um, so what do we do with this? And and how does fatigue play into this? Well, well, I think I think you you to to kind of phase into that out of the fear into the fatigue is that. While different is certainly not always better, the truth is better is always different, though. You cannot have better. You can have the same. You can have worse, but you can't have better without different. And, and, and what I mean by that is um, if you think about like, well, there's the definition of insanity, right? That says keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect uh, different results. Yeah, yeah. I think it should be an updated definition. I think uh, because you can keep doing the same thing over and over again and your results get worse. Like when's the last time you checked out a movie from Blockbuster Video as an example, right? Not, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while, right? I think there's one left in Alaska that they treat as a museum or something like yep, that. But yep, yep. you know what? They, they did the same thing over and over again. And what they found is they showed up one day beautifully prepared for a world that no longer existed because to, to be better, we have to evolve. We, different isn't always better, but better is always different. So I think if you know that about yourself when it comes to the fear, if you notice fear cropping up, that what if it makes things worse? You just have to remember, yeah, you're going to try some stuff that doesn't work. You're also going to try a ton of stuff that is going to work. And I think that just helps us get over the fear. But then, but then I think it plays into what you just mentioned. The other thing that is liable to really sabotage our, our, our ideal or better is the fatigue. The fatigue yeah. that sets in. Any, have you ever remodeled a house while you're trying to live in it? Uh, yeah. That's what change is. It's miserable. <laughs> change is like remodeling a house while you're trying to live in it. And depending on the size of the change, you know, if I'm, if I'm, you know, slapping a couple new light bulbs in or, or 
maybe a new light fixture. That, that's a certain level of, of discomfort and disruption. If I'm rich, ripping out the kitchen and the bathroom, I mean, it's, it's massive disruption. I mean, temporarily, it's better if you just left it alone. And because it's time consuming, it costs money. It's it, and you can't do it on autopilot. It, it causes it's like a different side of energy. Yeah. And and I think, but because the, there's always going to be a cost to to change, but there's a big cost not to. The thing with change is if we aren't careful, we we, we will we could you could give all of your energy today towards your normal and still not get to everything on your list. You know, one of the things we say you run out of time and money before you run out of all the ideas and opportunities you could go pursue. And yeah. in your normal, in your muscle memory, you you could spend all day doing that and give no time for new and still not get to all your normal because it feels like you're cheating on the real work, right? Because your new by nature is currently not adding your bottom line. It's right. never, it's not creating any money for you. In fact, you've never, succeed, you've never succeeded at the new because you've never no. tried it, right? No. It all feels like a risk. It can all feel like a waste of time. So please, Wes, can we have some good news? Like, where, where, please, how, where, what happens? How, why is this new better? Right. Yeah. Well, I I think this. It's. it's we have like, to wait till the next episode. For well, that. well, there will be a bit of that, but uh, but but I will tell you this. So, a couple things as we transition and kind of close the loop on this particular episode. Um, you, you got. Have you ever seen a two year old or three year old try and learn to tie shoes? It's, I mean, it, 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 it's hilarious. It's hilarious, and and they're at their highest level. Have you ever seen a fifteen year old driving a car for the first time? Uh, thankfully I'm, I'm having memories of this. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I can tell you having now an 18 year old and a, and a 16 year old that drive right. their own cars. It's scary to me to think that, um, that this has happening every year to a new crop of people. So but, but listen, they're at their highest level of concentration and it is everything they have to like function and, and get the job done. Whereas you probably drove to work today, Andy, to your office and you probably don't even really remember what happened, right? Because it's autopilot. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So the the kind of benefit I would say is, is knowing that yeah, there is there is fear and there is fatigue that are going to sometimes, if left to our own mindless efficiency, prevent us from pursuing the very things that are lead us into the futures we desperately want most. That if we can recognize them, and and, and to recognize them, I think there's some easy things we can do. To guardrails we can put in place to help us recognize them and actually capitalize on them. Um, you eventually will make the best things about your future muscle memory. It, it'll be part of your normal, but you'll never stop blending new into that normal because at the time you do, you, you you stagnate and you don't actually even stay where you are. You continue to go backwards. And next week, that's what we're going to begin to talk about. We're going to talk about the two fundamental guardrails in our practice. And so it's going to be very specific to like you could use this in any business, but into the financial services business, financial planning, holistic fee-based financial planning company, the things that we've gone through that help us stay in the middle, to, to not lean too far new, not lean too far normal, but keep the tension healthy between the two and actually help produce a really, a really robust, healthy, margin-filled practice that is profitable and increasing people's profitability and quality of life. And it's not hard. It just takes a little bit of time. Awesome. Well, Justin and Wes, thanks for your time. Uh, so we're going to talk about that uh, guardrails to put into pl- into practice uh, in the next episode. Uh, so we'll explore that on our next episode, and we hope that you'll join us for that conversation. Uh, and if you like this new show, uh, please find it actually specifically on the podcast app on an Apple device or computer, and that's where you can leave a specific review. 
and also this show and all of Wes's other resources, which there's many more of, can be found at one place, and that's WesYoungLive.com. That's WesYoungLive.com. Uh, thank you for taking the time to spend with us today. Uh, we appreciate you very much.